Hello, 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 hello. Hi, guys. Hi, Mike. Starting with the intro is weird. I don't know. Like, I feel like, what's going on? <laughs> I know, right? I feel like, I, I don't know. After being away for, for a few weeks. Well, first of all, there was one thing that I told Kevin when I saw him uh, when we were in Asheville. Uh, we got up uh, early to drive down. And my youngest son was with me in the car. And he was like, we were going to get Starbucks because we didn't want to make coffee in the coffee pot and they wanted to get hot chocolate so i was like all right cool you come with me we'll go get starbucks so we're sitting in the car and i have a whole like list of podcasts that i plan on listening to but i was like he's not gonna be interested in that not gonna care about that probably shouldn't listen to that and then like came to our show so i was like whatever i'll just put it on and i realized and now like yeah there it goes i'm gonna consciously catch myself and i'm trying to fix it i say like a lot I'll be like, so, like, what do you guys think? Like, I, uh, like, I don't, uh, and I think. Well, do you remember what my response to that was? Yes, you, you said that often I sort of have to set up things so that you guys can run off with them. And therefore, see, I'm consciously trying to stop <laughs> myself from saying it. There are moments where. I need to process what is said and I use that as a tick almost to fill time while my brain catches up with what we're talking about. I feel as half of that, maybe you're subconsciously not trying to give yourself enough credit. But I said, as the host, you have to constantly keep us wrangled on a singular track headed towards a destination. We get to like think about something I know, yeah, I just said it. We, we get to we get to think about a concept that we want to talk about, and then we can just wait until we interject, talk, and then back out again. And you constantly need to stitch everything together. So you have a lot more to bring in, and that can be difficult to do kind of in real time. And so kind of like breaking up, you know, vocabulary to break up that time to give your brain more time. I feel like you have a harder job being the host. There's also just the fact that you don't want dead air ever. So like anytime there's a lull in the conversation, you have to like, okay, time to time to talk. Okay. (laughs) This feels very much like the meeting that we should be having off air that we're just like, screw it. We're going to do it on air. I don't really care. (laughs) On air admin. Yeah, that's right. One of the other things that, um, you know, I, I, there were a couple of stories that I'm happy to share about, where I've been the past two weeks because there's been a trip to the ER and like, you know, there it is again, uh, hunting for records with Kevin in Asheville and then a COVID scare while we were at camp. There are lots to get into, but anyway, um, we don't have to talk about that here. One of the things that I was thinking about this morning. Um, what you at least have to do when you say a trip to the ER, you have to tell people that like you're, you're okay, right? Like we don't have to worry <laughs> about like clear the air for that at least. I don't know. So, so, okay. I'll try to make this quick. As everybody knows who has listened, uh, we previously discussed how Kevin and I were supposed to go to Disney with our family. And basically two days before we were supposed to leave, my wife, uh, it found out she got COVID from us visiting with her family over Easter. Then it tore through the rest of my family. And so we canceled the Disney trip. So two weeks ago, we, my, that's almost like a makeup trip. Uh, my parents got an Airbnb in Asheville. And so my family went down there, Kevin went down there, our other brother and his partner went down there. And what happened was the day before we were supposed to leave, so it was a Thursday, we were leaving on Friday. I'm going through my morning routine, I'm working out, everything feels great. 
I go upstairs, I'm, I'm reading the news and all of a sudden I get this really sharp, almost like makes my arm numb pain in my shoulder. And I'm thinking this isn't good, uh, but come hell or high water, we're going to be in Asheville because like we miss Disney. We are going to be in Asheville. And, um, and, and so the pain got so excruciating that I almost couldn't lift my arm. And my wife was like, you should probably go to the ER. Like your PCP isn't going to be up at this point. I tried calling them. There was no response. So we we're like, okay, fine. I jump in the car with my wife and the, the idea was she was going to drop me off because then we also had to take our dogs where the dogs were going to be staying while we were gone. And we put my middle son in the car with us. We tell the youngest and the oldest, we'll be right back. My, you know, mom's taking me to the ER. We'll see what's going on and it'll be fine. And the whole time we're like, we're going to Nashville. Don't tell like my mom, don't tell me and Kevin's mom. Cause she will freak <laughs> out at this point. They're already halfway to Asheville. So we're like, just don't tell them because we're not, we're not doing this again. And so sure enough, we're in the car, we're driving. And, and for anybody who's driven to Ligonier, there's this dead zone of like four miles between Ligonier and Latrobe where you get zero cell reception. And we hit that dead zone and it crosses my mind. We never told the kids at home, don't tell grandma. So, you know, I'm feverishly on the phone trying to call my youngest son just to get a hold of him. We're in this dead zone. We it was like something out of a movie where like you're seeing the countdown timer and like you're just trying to beat it. And so we finally get outside the dead zone and I get a hold of my son and I said, Hey, whatever you do, don't tell grandma that I'm going to the ER. And there's a long pause. <laughs> and he goes, I just texted her. And I go, okay, what did you, what, what did the text say? And it said, me and Ollie are home alone. Mom's taking dad to the ER. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hang up the phone, hang up the phone right now. And so then I called my mom and, uh, and, and, cleared the air and was like, if, if, if my arm is in a sling, we're still going. And so basically went to the ER, was there for a few hours. They did x-rays, they did an EKG, everything. They were like, ah, you just sprained the muscle in the back of your shoulder. And uh, basically from that, it's basically been two plus weeks now. The pain has slightly subsided, but it's still there. I can't really lift my arm above a certain height. So I have a follow-up on PCP. I'm probably going to get an MRI. I think it's something with my rotator cuff, which is just super duper. Um, so that that was the that was the ER trip. I'm fine. Um, I could have driven with one arm if I had to to get to Asheville because I was not missing that trip for the sake of everybody's sanity. But um, I mean, you yeah. have to go record shopping. You can't miss this trip. We had to go record shopping. Listen, here's the other thing, okay? And I just, I just want to just <laughs> shed some light on Kevin's life right now. And you know, Kevin's probably like, "What is he about to talk about?" Yeah. So let's see this. So a couple of things. First of all, for those who don't know, Kevin drives a Tesla. What is it? A Model S? What do you have? Model Three. I, Model you know, three. What, just to Whatever. be clear, I feel like more people around me <laughs> like to talk about it more than I do. I just want to make well, sure that gets out there. So I guess, well, more like one thing, two things. So one, first of all, for those who don't know, you can tell that Elon Musk is the one who made this car because there is a feature whereby oh, yeah. you can make the car fart. And not only can you make it fart, you can adjust the speakers 
to determine where in the car the sound of the fart is coming from. So Kevin and I are going to the airport to pick up our other brother. And we were giggling like schoolboys at like the eight different fart sounds that you could make. <laughs> and, to, and, then, and then to say like, all right, we're going to put it on his seat when he gets in the car. And he was he was not amused when he finally got in. And Kevin, <laughs> Kevin made it fart. He was like, you know, you just bought a $60,000 whoopee cushion. <laughs> we're like, yeah. Yeah, we know. Um, but then the second thing about the Tesla is I had never been in in one for an extended period of time. Kev, you and I went to go charge your car while uh, right before we went to the record shop. And, uh, and it was just the two of us. And you plugged in and you're like, ah, it's, it'll take about 45 minutes. And I was like, well, what do you do for 45 minutes? Like you just sort of sit here and then you pull up on your screen. Basically, it's Mario Kart that you can play in your car using the steering wheel after that, you and I played chess. I'm like, this is just like a little kid's play thing. It's like, bye, honey. I'm going to go change, you know, charge the car. And in reality, you're just going to play video games for 45 <laughs> minutes to an hour and a half. So now it, now the picture is becoming so clear to me. Um, eventually, we made it to the record place. It was awesome. They were pressing vinyl right there, like behind some glass. It was also oh, the a cafe. cafe. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I've been there. That's, yeah, that's a cool place. Oh, you have been there? Yeah, yeah. When we, I went to Asheville for my friend's wedding, that was like yeah. one of the places we hung out at. Uh, shopped records there, watched them press records, uh, got some drinks at the cafe. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. We Kevin and I ended up playing this game where <laughs> we looked through the uh, the box of used records and we had to each pick a record that the other one had to buy for themselves. So like most of these artists we had never even heard of. They were like it, $2, $3, $4 yeah, yeah. record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. But it, it very quickly like devolved into, you know, what's, what, what's the theme? What, what's the most important thing we're going for? Kev, what I, I made you pick I just, a, well, you got me, you actually, I feel like you actually like, kind of took it seriously there was like a david Byrne like <laughs> yes score that was like the only show. name that i had recognized i was like oh i know yeah for sure me yeah. i was just like okay what is the most ridiculous album i could find <laughs> that when you go to check out they're like what <laughs> that's all i wanted for michael well, and, especially and the fact that it has to sit in his house for at least like 24 hours before he can sell it again or something like, so it has to just sit there somewhere in his house and uh, his kids have to see it. And it's just, you know, hopefully it stays there and he just never sells it. But yeah, it's still here. Like I, I haven't gotten rid of it. And it was especially funny since I also grabbed what Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet, and I got the Foo Fighters greatest hits. So like I have those two and then this random two dollar album that you picked up. For it me. looks like bad British punk from like the 1980s or not yeah. even punk British pop music from like the 1980s. With just like really bad fashion and yeah. hair and everything. Yeah, that's nice. great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, I don't want to say that was Asheville in a nutshell, but that kind of was Asheville. <laughs> we were just like, oh, let's go, you know, basically a brewery every day. It felt like um, really good food, really good drinks. Um, everything was great. And then, yeah, basically came home and immediately turned around and went to camp. And uh, the very first day, there was a, a family who sent their kid to us and, already had symptoms of COVID and had COVID and I had to deal with like turn around, go home um, and have the whole conversation with all of management and stuff about why we brought a kid with COVID. So that was fun. Um, fun times. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to what I started to say and you guys, again, this is more like administrative stuff. Um, I was thinking about how when we started Mongols, we were 
pretty much the only podcast talking about the hounds at that point. And now we have Houndsy. We have the Pittsburgh soccer now show. We have the UK hounds show. And it feels very much like, I don't want to say we're all doing the same thing, but it starts to feel very formulaic. So I was listening to you guys last week. The show was fantastic without me. You guys should do more shows without me. I highly recommend it. Uh, <laughs> but I think that there is now, now that there are others doing, filling that gap, there is almost an opportunity for us to like try other things and, and do different stuff. And maybe it's worth exploring in the future. And if people have ideas about different things that we could do, let us know. But for example, I was listening to a podcast this morning while I was cutting the grass and it was sort of an off the wall, like not mainstream Aston Villa one. And they have a segment where it's, do you want to talk about the news or do you want to talk about Aston Villa news? And they basically have a choice. So it's like, if, if the team, it played horrible, it's like, I don't want to talk about Aston. Let's pick like another random topic from the news and we'll talk about that instead. So not that we do that, but there, there is an opportunity for us to, I don't know, step outside the formula a little format, bit if we want yeah. to. So, yeah. but I, I don't know. What do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Do you like the formulaic approach? Or? Well, I, I, I just want to say, I like how we're doing 15 minute on air meetings. Um, and so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. this Listen, is good. This is what people is, tune in for. They, they know what the hounds, did. No, this is uh, to be fair. I feel like this would have flew at any point in the last six weeks. We finally have a win, and now people are like, "Come on!" Like, <laughs> 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 could be talking about the win. No, I yeah, I, I I agree. I think it doesn't make sense to do things that people can get it elsewhere. And why not? I mean, I don't know. It, it's we're do, we're the ones doing this, so like we got to make it what we want to do. And if you want to do something weird and different, let's do something weird and different. And since we are on the air, if uh, listeners have any ideas, yeah. what they would like to see the show turn into, or if they wanted to change it all, you know, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. We, and just to, just to clarify, we are not live in the sense that we're normally live for those of you who are, are thinking, wait, did I miss it? No, you didn't miss it. Basically we typically record on Monday nights. As most people know, um, this Monday is 4th of July. And we said, you know what, there's going to be fireworks. There's going to be all sorts of other stuff going on. And rather than push it to Tuesday, we just said, Hey, let's do this a bit old school. We'll just do the audio. We'll put it out as a podcast. Maybe we'll put it out early. I don't know. What do you guys think? Should we put it out today or should we put it out tomorrow? Since we're just making all these decisions on air. I'd say put it out today. Why not? Yeah. Okay. I mean, Houndsy had a uh, emergency pod that came out saw, right after yeah. the game. So that was pretty cool. So, yeah. Okay, then we'll put it out early. Um, so for those who are listening to it early, I guess, surprise. Um, yeah. And of course, I saw the team won, and I felt like coming on with the reaction of like, we're never going to lose again. But that's, you know. <laughs> we, that, we beat... It doesn't sound like your mental state right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, is, it is interesting. Just like when you step away from things for, I mean, literally it was two weeks. And I'm just like, huh, like, you know where are we out here what should we do um yeah but i guess you guys want to talk about the game yeah is there anything else we should talk about before we talk about the game josh just really wanted there to open go. his yeah he wanted to open <laughs> that was the, the most beverage. sad sounding victory <laughs> no, beverage good. i've seen listen oh, yeah, wasn't that loud listen josh what we basically have this is the first win in seven games oh, so man, yeah. it's been a minute 
you've been sober all that time, I'm sure. So <laughs> haven't had congratulations to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I haven't been at games. That's sadly, right. watching the Hounds lose <laughs> at right. home. Well, let's let's talk about this game. Um, as I mentioned, I did not get a chance to watch this. I was still wrapped up with camp stuff. I did watch the highlights. I did sort of see, you know, Cicerone got two goals. Dixon got one. Josh, I think you you tweeted out that the assists were were almost as beautiful as the goals themselves. I'm going to let you talk about that in a second. There were plenty of other chances for us to score as well. So with that out of the way, I'll turn the takeaways over to you guys. Josh, do you want to start with the assists? Yeah, I just like all three goals came from the run of play. And technically, I don't, I don't think the second goal counted as an assist. Cicerone dribbled it into the box and kind of went by the keepers. I don't know if anyone got the assist for that one. But like all three had three balls that were just fantastic threading the the defense and like they weren't right to the players. They were actually three balls and like letting the players run, getting the ball ahead of them. And it just was fantastic to see. Now, I don't know if that is just a testament to how bad uh, Red Bulls are as far as like defending. Like that's probably why the the three balls are so nice. (laughs) It's probably not anything different going on from the Hounds. But yeah, they were just able to thread that ball through and just... It was it was great to see, you know, it's something that as someone who watches a lot of soccer, goals are great. I love goals, but it's just really nice to actually see like run and play goals and like team play that helps the goal happen. It's not just like a lucky fluke of a shot. And Cicerone on, I think it was the second goal, like really worked for it. And even the first goal, I mean, the first goal, he was able to dribble it by everyone or by the keeper. So it was just it was a lot of, you know, tenacity and just head down, do the work. So. The, the the one I was thinking of that stands out to me was Dixon's, that Forbes. I thought, I, I thought well, two things. I, I think Forbes and Dixon really have, they've showed it all season, and I think they showed it even more in this game. Forbes and Dixon have a really good connection. Um, I think Forbes knows where Dixon is going to be on the field, and you know team profits from it. I think what Dixon's goal came from essentially – I think there was kind of like a, a scramble and a turnover in the middle of the field. Uh, Forbes was in the middle of the field. And I think just like first time without really even, he um, maybe he took a glance or, you know, Kenny is just Kenny and he's an incredible <laughs> player and he, and he understands he has such good awareness of the field. There was just a huge gap in the, in the uh, Red Bulls defense on Dixon's side. So ball ball kind of pops loose. Kenny first time just hits it into space, and of course Dixon's there. Dixon runs onto it, and the amount of time and space Dixon had was amazing. I mean, it was still a great goal, it was a great finish, um, but it was like, ooh, yeah, that's like Red Bulls are bad. <laughs> we talked about that last week, and uh, and you were like, yeah, we have to win this game, right? Like they're just really really bad, and I think that played out in this game as well, but. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just to finish up, I, you know, Kenny's been, I think he's gone missing in the past couple of weeks. He had, he had a much better game this game. Um, he created some more other chance, like some other chances, uh, that was similar to the Dixon goal in that he just, he just kept kind of like hitting it first time, knowing where the players were going to be and kind of exploiting the Red Bulls back four with that, um, yeah, 
no, it was, it was a good performance. You guys, I, I was going to reference the fact that last week you guys did talk about the fact that with, with Steve, you guys talked about how Forbes has sort of gone missing at games. And do you think that his performance in this one sort of redeemed that a little bit? Do you think this is a, okay, Kenny's back to where he is, or do you think this is just sort of a step in the direction of what we know he can be and hope that he continues to develop into over the course of the rest of the season? I think with Kenny, like with everyone, it's one game. And so it's one game against a very, very, very bad team. <laughs> so I, I, no one's out of the tunnel yet with this performance, in my opinion. Look, don't get me wrong. I think after, you know, arguably Lily's worst stretch in his career, after arguably some, some of our worst stretch under Lily since he's been here, um, you know, winless in six games, three straight losses, a win is a win. This is a good win. It's, you know, three nil uh, away from home. It's against a bad team. Yeah. But we created a lot of chances. We played a lot better. And so that's, that's really good. It's really positive. Hopefully it puts everyone in a better frame of mind, but it's one game after a stretch that's been really poor. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but no, this isn't like a, for me, this isn't like, okay, everything's rosy in the garden again. I have two questions that I want to tee up for Josh. Josh, one, was there a Steel Army contingent that was at this game that you know no, of? That that I know of, no. It, it sounded like there was a lot of cheering when goals I was going to say, every time we scored, there was a very audible like cheering section for the Hounds. So that was I, I think cool. you also got to remember the stadium looked pretty empty. So like that could have just been the bench. And it sounded like half the stadium <laughs> or just like friends and family that fall or that uh, traveled with the team or something like that. Cause I'm sure it is close enough that maybe they actually had some family members coming to the game since they wouldn't have to, you know, yeah. fly all the way out there or anything like that. That's true. Second question, Josh, for you is the Red Bulls are statistically the worst team in the league. You watching this game, how I, I, I get everything that Kevin is saying. I totally agree. A win is a win is a win. You take your win, you go. But considering the struggles that we've had over the past few weeks, how much of this do you attribute to the fact that we're just playing the worst team in the league? Or And how much of this do you attribute to the fact that visually what you saw, you think we actually turned a corner and are starting to improve based on what we've seen in the previous few weeks? I mean... So they are the worst team in the league and they're not, you know, like, I don't think there's any qualms about that, but I do think we've seen the hounds not show up for the worst teams in the league before. Uh, Charleston is right down there with, with the red Mm -hmm. bulls. Um, And yet we got three against us. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous how bad that game was for the hounds. So the fact that they are the worst team in the league, yeah, that makes it easier, but it still doesn't mean the Hounds are going to show up and actually get the job done. They did show up. They got the job done. And they, I, so like they definitely had issues in this game. Like, I don't think anyone could watch this game live and, and feel fantastic as far as the performance. There was yellow cards left and right that granted the ref was giving soft yellows, but like, we're I thought Griffin by, was going off. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're off by th- like we're up by three. Why are we getting yellow cards? Like there's no reason to be roughing up the play. Like like you don't have to go in for those challenges. We're we're winning. And why why let those accumulate? So like there was definitely situations where I felt like this team 
still didn't have their head on straight, but they had to get the job done and they got the job done. So there's not very many complaints I really have. On that point with the yellow cards, um, I'll I'll kind of overtly finally say something that's probably a little controversial that I've been feeling for a while. Do um, it, Kev. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get controversial. Do I it. I mean, of course, like, look, of course, there's there's such trust in Danny Griffin from the likes of Lily and his teammates. He gets like all the minutes. You know, he starts every game. He plays all the time. He has a great engine. Um, and he's a good player. I don't want to, I, I don't, I don't want to mix my words with that. But um, I do think that I think sometimes there are challenges that get thrown in by our midfield that to me indicate like I've messed up and I'm trying to recover. And that's why I need to initiate the foul that I initiate. It's more of a, it's more of a like, yeah, I'm out of position or I'm trying to catch up or so, you know, they did something wrong and they're trying to make up for it and they end up in a difficult position to execute the challenge and probabilistically the challenge doesn't come off and, you know, we stop play and that that's more, you know, it's different if you, if, if the opposition is receiving it, like, you know, with their back to the defender with like to their back to Griffin or something and Griffin just kind of like tugs him a little bit much, but you know, he's in, if Griffin's in between the opposition and the goal and it's kind of 35 yards away from goal, that's never going to be a yellow card. That's just like a, oh, okay, it's a foul, whatever, you know, but in scenarios where Griffin's kind of like the opposition's kind of getting by him and he has to kind of, you know, poke a foot in and knock, try to knock the ball away. Those are harder to execute. And therefore you don't execute them perfectly all the time. You end up getting fouls that way. So, I think it's, I think it's the foul accumulation. I think it's just kind of telling that our, our midfield might be a little, I don't, I don't know what the adjective is. I, not as slow, not as good as I think it was slow. Yeah. But I think with, with slow comes a lot of other potential implications mm -hmm. for defending and turning defense into attack. And so, yeah, I, I still rate Griffin and I, you know, I like them, but, at times it feels a little chaotic. You know, I think, I think at best you want your midfield to be controlled both in defense and attack. You want them to set the positioning and the structure for when you're defending and you want them to cycle the ball, keep hold of possession and kind of keep, you know, I don't necessarily think that's the case for a midfield and it, it just feels more erratic and chaotic. Sometimes that's, that's great. And it breaks up play and it turns into weird counterattack chances. But sometimes it also is just random and chaotic and it's hard to hard to play from. And just to be clear, you're speaking specifically about the midfield in general and not just Danny specifically. Yes, but I think the, the subtext there is, you know, Danny is like the main midfielder, right? Like he, some, there are a lot of rotation that happens alongside Danny as a partner. Sometimes it's Forbes, sometimes it's Kelly Rosales, sometimes it's Rivera, yeah. but Griffin is always there and he's kind of, he sets the tone for the midfield. Um, so yeah, I think I'm leaning a little bit more on him for, for that kind of stuff. I just, I, I, and I don't think this was the case when we had the likes of, you know, Ryan James playing in the middle of the field or Von Giesel playing in the middle of the field. Um, you know, once again, I think Griffin's still a good player, but I think 
I don't know. I just don't think he's well, as good it, as how, how much everyone else well, thinks. Maybe uh, no. So th- this this is this harkens back to something I was thinking about all throughout this week. Was after listening to you guys talk and 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 knowing sort of how we've talked about it in the past, it seems like we're always going, oh, the whole team was crap, but Danny was okay. Like Danny Griffin's okay. Like nobody else showed up, but Danny showed up. And so in my mind, I sort of did like paint this picture of say that we don't really progress above sort of where we are in the table. We get into the playoffs. We're out in the first round. What keeps somebody like Danny Griffin staying in Pittsburgh? If that's the case, if you play every minute and we're always saying that he was the best player and nobody else shows up, what, what is the drive there? So it sounds like, and I don't disagree with you. I do think that there are cases again, not watched. I haven't watched them play in like two weeks. There are cases where, Danny will take fouls. Other midfielders will take fouls that we've talked about where they're indicative of being not reading the play properly, being out of position and having to make up for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that there is some of that. But when you talk about the entire midfield in general, that starts to make me think of is this is this less of a personnel issue and more of a structure and philosophy issue? To me, I think it's a little bit of that, but I also think we are lacking maybe a little bit of like, and sometimes you don't always need this, but I think we're, we're lacking a little bit of like vocal leadership. Um, mm-hmm. Kenny's not really the type of person to be, I mean, that person is Bob, like, let's be honest, you know, yeah. I, like I'm trying, maybe Ordonez a little bit. I think he has a little bit in him to try to organize, um, but Griffin's not going to be shouting and yelling, telling people to pull in tight or, you know, it just feels like so many times our midfield just seems to be wide open and Griffin can be on an Island by himself or Rivera can be on an Island by himself. And that's just, that's not good for, for, for a midfield, especially when you're playing two midfielders. Now I know sometimes the linebacks push up more. It's more of a four man midfield or whatever, but um, yeah, I, yeah. I'll stop. I, I mean, that's, that's a very interesting and Josh, you might remember this better than either of us. Thinking back over the Lily tenure, I'm trying to remember if there has been someone on the field that is that vocal leader other than Lily. Because if you do have someone that's shouting instructions and that differs from what Lily is saying, then you have a problem. So more often than not, you might have guys that are just quiet and let Lily do all of the directing. Josh, have you noticed like at games, maybe even the past like two or three years, like what comes to mind this could be me projecting my feelings back on history in an incorrect way. But like, I I feel like I remember like Greenspan being vocal. I feel like I remember Ryan James being vocal. Um, I mean, of course, like Danny Earls, but like, (laughs) but all of the, all the players that come to mind for me were pre Lily. Like I'm thinking Earls. I'm thinking Vincent was vocal. Kerr could be vocal. Kerr wasn't vocal. No, Kerr's not really. Like, here's the thing. I I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I also I don't know if I have the the knowledge of that because I can't really like speak to what I'm seeing on the like. I can tell you keepers who are vocal are not like you know the back yeah. lines are vocals or not because I see that directly being you know at the Steel Army section twenty yards uh, away yeah yeah exactly yeah. so like and that is something I have noticed is the keepers this this season not feeling like they have as much of a command on the back line as I've seen in the past or not really seeing anyone have like you know that yelling at all the other players to get in lines or shapes and like the hey, TLO I, had that yeah. 
Yeah, like it, it doesn't really feel like I'm seeing that. But as far as like the midfield and the offense, I I honestly don't know. But I do think, Mike, you have a good point about if the person yelling the loudest is Bob, which he's always yelling the loudest, then you can't really have anyone else in the midfield like directing traffic because you're constantly going to be battling with Bob with, you know, what direction to give. Bob's a coach. I get that. He's the one that's going to be making those decisions anyway. Um, and he has the lungs to, <laughs> to get it to his players. Um, I do think sometimes I, I, I worry about him giving directions so much, micromanaging so much that like, how can the players focus on actually playing when they're, you know, having to relay messages from Bob because anyone on that side of the field with Bob is probably getting an earful and being told to tell someone this or tell someone that like, it's just not attainable, but I mean, it's worked, I guess in the past for, for Bob. So I, I don't know how much to question it, but it is a situation where you, yeah, I, I'm, I can't think of leaders on the field as easily with Bob's tenure. Well, and I guess, and like that could be fine, and and that I can like accept that. But then maybe that just informs me to know where I think. Not that I like need to allocate responsibility to to anyone in this team, but like, at least then I would I would be more inclined to say, okay, responsibility falls more on Bob. Then fine, if you want to be the vocal leader and if you want to be the organizer, and if we're not seeing organization happening on the field, and if we're not seeing vocal leadership on the field then fine, you can be that. But when that's in, in its absence, then that kind of falls on you because um, it's hard to kind of empower your players midseason to do that and, and be that on the field. Yeah. He is clearly the 12th man. And yeah. so, yeah. I'll say maybe to, to switch uh, uh, talking points a little bit in the game. Um, I thought, you know, so, so the lineup switches a little bit in the sense that, okay, so the back line, I more or less, you could say is the same, the back three, I'll say, uh, more or less the same front three, more or less the same Cicerone, Dequa and Forbes. I think, you know, Forbes being in the front three now is kind of an interesting thing. Whereas earlier in the season, he would partner Griffin, but that seems to be no longer the case, at least in the past few games. Um, and then you have Griffin partnered with someone else. Um, so, and, and that kind of changes. But the fact that so Dixon and Toby Sims um, start and they start in arguably, I can, honestly, I can't remember what side Toby Sims usually plays, but I know Dixon usually plays on the right and Dixon in this game played on the left. And of course, he gets his goal in the first like 15 minutes by by having that space cutting in and, you know, being on his stronger side when when facing goal. Um to my knowledge, I think that's the first time I've seen Dixon on as like left wing back rather than right wing back. That was an interesting His, kind of switch. Historically, I believe Sims has played on the right. Like thinking back through okay. all the times that I've seen yeah. him score and stuff, he's been on the right. Right. Okay. Um, and then so obviously if you put Dixon on the left, that opens the spot on the right. I thought Toby Sims played really well. I mean, I, I, right wing back, you don't need to, you don't need to be, you know, Ronaldo, like you, you need to be solid. You need to defend well. You need to get up and support the attack, and you need to get get back and support defense. I, the other thing I like, I think the thing I like about Toby Sims is he's he's athletic. He can run. He's he's taller, which sounds minor, but it helps on corners. It helps in defending and just the strength of him being able to kind of hold off opposition and challenge opposition in that way. I think his positioning is good. 
Um, so no, I, th I thought Toby came in and played really well. And I mean, Dixon on the left is, is, was great. Um, I thought Dixon put in a lot of energy as well and defended well. Um, I think it's becoming, I think that the, this, this maybe necessarily wouldn't have been the case if Dixon would have played the entire stretch of the season and didn't have time off, um, for his kid. Um, but it's the, the fact that he was kind of absent in a time where we were really bad kind of emotionally underscores more for me that like Dixon's going to like Dixon has been and is our best player so far this season. Um, it feels like when he, when he's in the team and he's playing well, we're playing well. Um, like I said, that, that could be a little misleading just because he just wasn't available. Maybe he would have been just as bad <laughs> as everyone else, but yeah, he, he it, it was good to see him back. I mean, he creates, he creates a lot of chances. He scores goals. Uh, Dixon, Dixon was great in this game. Any other uh, takeaways from this one in particular? Cicerone gets his two goals. I mean, I, you know, I, I think Cicerone has been, I think arguably you can even say he's been thinking about it too much in the past stretch. I was going to say, I, I think Cicerone is probably one of the hardest working guys on the field. You could tell yeah. regardless of what happens, he's always pushing to get those goals. So it's good to see him get two in this one. Yeah. I think, I think on this podcast before, you know, you guys have mentioned how he, he'd like make comments after the game or whatever, be mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm trying. Like, you know, oh, I didn't score that one goal. I should have or something. And, I think sometimes you can get in your own head, especially when you go stretches of not scoring or not playing well. Um, and it's it's good to see him kind of get out of that and get his two goals. And the second goal was great. I mm -hmm. mean, to to take it, I, what I, it's well, I mean, I was going to say it's sad, but maybe it's actually really good to say that. Like, I don't really know what his strongest foot is. I thought it was his left, but I think Ciceroni is one of the few who are like truly two footed. Um, and the fact that, that second goal comes down, I mean, it was a tight angle defender on your, on your shoulder and to, to hit it in with your quote unquote weaker foot. I'm not sure if that's the case, but with his right foot and just, you know, put his laces behind it, go for power, um, go near post and, and to put it in, you know, out of all of the chances that we had in this game, out of all the chances we've had in the past few games, you know, that was one of the hardest chances and he, and he, and he takes it and he puts it away. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, that game in particular and that goal in particular, I think will do Cicerone a whole lot for confidence. Um, same thing with Dixon. I think, you know, so that's that's definitely good. I mean, we, I think we still have an interesting quandary over the Dequa-Kelly uh, situation. Although I think at what I said last week, you know, like we rarely have seen them on the field at the same time. I mean, they, they have a stretch in this game where both Dequa and Kelly are on the field at the same time, um, which I thought was interesting. I mean, we're, we're up. I think at that point we were up still 3-0. And, like, Bob yeah. was like, flood it with attackers. <laughs> like, Kenny, <laughs> Kenny's in the midfield. You know, Dixon's up there. Dequa's up there. And, you know, Ke uh, Kelly's up there. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. Does that mean the mustache should stay or go for uh, Cicerone? I think they have to stay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I agree. I think it's, it was actually funny. We I, I was watching the game live, and Riley, uh, my wife, was sitting there, and uh, she always loves <laughs> she always loves Cicerone's name. She and she always says it with like a you know 
stereotypically bad Italian accent. And, you know, so, so say, do it, Kevin. Let's hear it. Lo- I'm not doing do it. it. Come on, do it. <laughs> and, uh, you can't set it up. Like, like, that's like my ER story. You can't say like, that and yes, not say I can. it. This, my, I, my life potentially is not in danger. So I don't Get I don't her in here it. right now. Call her in and say that Mike wants you in here. You got to do the Ciceroni name. But anyway, she uh, she was like, you know what? She was like, uh, she was like, I actually don't mind the mustache on Ciceroni. <laughs> It's the, the top gun. It? It's the top gun. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Movie comes out and everyone's getting getting yeah. the mustache going. Total total tangent, Josh. Did you see Maverick? Yeah. Was it good? I think we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast. It was good. I liked it. I it was really good. I saw it on I'm Father's like, Day with uh, my friend who is a new father and my dad. So it was a lot of fun. Did you, you see did one? say that. that? No, not yet. I did. I told you, anytime a movie's out, the only place I go is this theater in town, and it's there for a weekend, and then it's gone. So I'll probably have to just wait for it to come out on on demand. But I definitely will watch it because I've heard rave reviews. So, yeah. all right, well, the hounds, we get we get a very much needed three points. Let's uh, let's look at the table, the three of us, because we're not doing this live. No one else can see it, so we'll have to talk our way through it. But basically, after that win, the hounds are now in fifth place on twenty seven points. Um, sitting directly above us is Detroit, uh, on 29 points. So they're two points ahead of us. And then you have Tampa at 33, Memphis at 35 and Louisville have reclaimed the top spot with 36 points. Now looking ahead in the schedule, we, uh, we have really two games, uh, coming in quick succession. We have on Wednesday, Indy are coming to Highmark stadium at 7 PM followed by on Saturday, Miami come to Highmark at 7 p.m. before the following Saturday, we hit the road to face New Mexico. So both Indy and Miami are currently beneath us in the table. Miami's only three points back. Indy is six points back. And they've just played each other back and forth. And I think Miami beat Indy. And earlier, like a few weeks earlier, they both drew. So they're very similar in terms of, of what they offer. They're both hovering right around that playoff line. Miami slightly above, Indy slightly below. So... Um, I guess, guys, anything when you're looking at the table, anything new, anything concerning, the Hounds are currently in fifth. How how are you feeling looking at the table at this? Kev, go ahead. You were going to say something before we before yeah. we get into this. No, I was just I was going to essentially answer the question that you were setting up. I mean, it's still tight in the middle of the Eastern Conference. Um, to you know, if any team goes on a on a two game run or a three game run, then they kind of can really break themselves out in either direction of wherever they're sitting, whether it's a three game, you know, losing streak or a three, three game winning streak. I think that plays to our advantage, obviously. So for the next two games, um, we have a real, a real big opportunity Two home games against two teams that are sitting at the bottom of the, of the Eastern conference or near the bottom of the Eastern conference. Um, well, not near the bottom, but, below us playoff line um, yeah playoff yeah, yeah. line yeah. yeah um so it won't be easy but i mean we we let's say this is we we turn a bit of a corner here and we win the next two games that really changes the picture and all of a sudden we could be you know knocking on third place's door or whatever um kind of simultaneously though i mean you know Birmingham are behind us with a game in hand if they win that game in hand then all of a sudden we drop back a place blah blah and so it's it's just tight, and I, I think because of that, and because we're you know almost exactly a halfway through the season, um, it's it's just okay. Like 
we look at the table, we know it's tight, and then we just need to kind of forget about everyone else and just know, okay, we just we we need to put a little bit of a run here together. And if we do, then you know, man, that sets up the, the run in for us to to be in a really really good playoff you know position after that. So it's tight. We have a good opportunity coming up in the next two games, and we just need to capitalize on it. Yeah, I mean, the, the flip side to that is, yeah, we win both of these next two games and we're sitting in a really good spot. We lose both of these next two games and we're flirting with the playoff line and we're having a completely different conversation, especially since Miami and Indy are both at that spot. So not only would it be us dropping three points, it would be them picking up three points. So these games are very important uh, coming up here this week. So... Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a big deal. I mean, it's it's a situation where we wanted this game to be a win because we wanted it to be a ramp going into these games. So, it, it, yes, obviously it's important to get every point you can, but the biggest thing for the Red Bulls was we knew they were bad, but we were more work looking for this to be just a way to get us out of the slump for these two games because this is, you know, mm-hmm. where rubber hits the road. I mean, it, it's... I feel like... The only time we've lost at home was against Tampa. They're they're not Indy. They're not, you know, the Miami. Like it's it's this these two teams are beatable teams that we should win against, that I expect us to win against. It it is a little bit unfortunate that they're so that they're like congested uh table right now. Because I feel like if it was a regular, you know, week off and then playing these games, I would have much more confidence. But the fact that we're doing midweek game and then going right into this game, a little bit unfortunate. So we'll see what happens. But wait, what's I, the schedule like? Sorry. So when's the next game that we're playing? Wednesday. It's Wednesday we and play then Indy. Saturday. Yeah. Oh, that is a little rough. I yeah. mean, it's it's good for the Wednesday. I mean, because we played Friday, so you're you're getting what five days in between. But yeah, then that turnaround from Wednesday to Saturday is pretty, yeah, pretty and tight. it's Indy first, and then Miami. Um, Indy is actually probably the better one to play on the weekday because, well, actually, no, I would rather play the stronger team first. Miami is the stronger team of the two, barely, but they're, they're the stronger team. So it'd been kind of nice to get the stronger team out of the way first with the, the more rested legs. But yeah, so we play Indy and then we play Miami. Going to do a Mike, uh, Six points or like, I, I don't know how you do this. How do you, how do you do this? I want to know if you, we want two wins or not. Like I, I do we, do we think we can get two wins out of this? I mean, I'll, I'll go. I usually am not this. Um, we'd said it, we'd probably set it at like five and a half. Are you taking the over the under and five and a half. That's the BS thing that you would do. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Good, good job. <laughs> well, two things, two things to consider real quick before we get into that. One, we haven't played Indy yet this season. Last time we played Miami, we drew two, two. So I, take that for whatever it is um yeah and i mean so indy indy also just to let you know I, news outside in the usl it sounds like indy are finally gonna get their own stadium then yeah. not be playing on a football field at some point so like kudos to them but cap go ahead um I, yeah i mean so i'm not usually this bullish um on predictions and outlooks and blah blah but I, I actually think we'll get six points here and I think it'll be important. Um, and this will be the turning point. And it, we, we usually go on a second half of the season run. I mean, this would be a little bit premature for that, but it just, it, it sets it up so nicely that these are two home games. Um, they're, they're against teams that are below us in the table. 
the opportunities there in front of us to to really kind of capitalize on point spread for the two or three teams that are above us on the table. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think this, I don't think we're a team, you know, kind of like going back to like the whole, like reverting to the mean at the beginning of the season, I, you know, I was under the opinion that we were playing better than we actually were over the past, you know, seven games or six and excluding the Red Bulls. I don't think we we're not as bad as we as that we were playing. And so we're having these kind of big, massive swings throughout the season of maybe maybe outperforming our abilities and then maybe underperforming our abilities. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I don't think us playing this poorly can last this long. And I think that that we now's the time where that changes. We're home we're playing against teams that we can beat. So, yeah, no, I think we'll get I think we'll get six points. We are five zero and one at home as well. Um, so yeah, but to, that that one is very yeah. recent and is a bad taste in our mouth. So yeah, it was a bad loss. Yeah, and so it's but again Tampa. So I mean, you know, what I mean, like it's it's one of those things where it's like losing is one of the best teams in the league. It's it sucks, but it's yeah, not but, like we're like oh man, we lost against like it wasn't like Charleston came in and like yeah. mopped the floor with us at home. And I guess Tampa, Tampa has been on a good run of form. They've been playing really well. And so I think that counts to it. But I guess just so far in the season, I, I did not pin in my head that like Tampa, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know what they've done in the past, but maybe this just because they've started, they started relatively poorly for their standards that in my head, I kind of just not wrote them off, but wrote them off for being serious uh, contenders for the East and, I thought at you know Louisville would just eventually run away with it, which they still might. But what I mean, Tampa is on a run of like, yeah, they haven't lost in like a ridiculous amount of games. They beat Louisville. Um, yeah, they're looking yeah. good. In my mind, uh, they beat Memphis the, recently yeah. too. Jeez, sorry. In in my mind, they're at the point now where Tampa and Louisville are just perennially above us. In my mind, like we've talked about in the past about how Louisville is that team you got to get over. I, I now feel like it's Tampa and Louisville because they're doing it by bringing in young talent. They're they're do they have different coaches. Like it seems like no matter what, as an organization, they put a good product on the field year after year. And that's, that is still what we are striving for. We make the, we've made the playoffs perennially since Bob has gotten here, which is fantastic. But how do we take that next step? and be in that same conversation. And that hopefully that's something that we figure out here as we head into the, uh, the second half of the season as well. So Josh, you didn't, you didn't answer if, if, you know, if I'm putting it. Well, neither did you might. Yeah. Well, that's because technically um, Josh, Josh asked the question. Josh set up the question. I can still answer the question. I, I do think we, like, I, I definitely feel comfortable with Indy because one, I like them the least of both those teams uh, just in general. So I, I really want to see a win against them. Um, but I do feel like they're, they're going to be the team that we, we can definitely get the three points against Miami. It's, I don't know if it is just history with them and whatnot, but like, it's always should, a wild we card. Be dis, should we be dissatisfied with four points is I guess the question, like a win and a draw. Is that terrible? Like I, I would be happy with that. Um, I want six points, obviously. And I think we can get six points, but 
I'm not I'm not upset about a win and a draw. I think I think there is a broader conversation to have there that we likely don't have time to have on this episode, but to consider where we were at the start of the season and if we want to consider ourselves as actual title contenders to look at two teams that are beneath us in the table and the fact that they're coming into Highmark Stadium and I seriously and I don't I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah. But to have a serious conversation about like is four points okay at home against two teams that are beneath us in the table when we want to consider ourselves as title contenders, I think that that points more towards a frame of mind that we have as fans at the moment than it does. I, I don't know. I, I, there's I something almost, in there that's worth discussing. Yeah. I would almost just rewind your statement a little bit because while I, yeah. And I think you like, you might've been in the frame of mind of us as fans earlier in the season, but I think over the, over the stretch where we've been really bad for like seven games, um, I've, I've removed the possibility of us being title contenders. I, I, you know, I no longer think that's the case and I don't think we're that team. I don't, you know, and so in that, so, so in that sense, that kind of changes the conversation around what needs to happen in, in these next two games, uh, like to meet a certain standard that we have. I think also that you, you use the word, is it okay if we get four? Absolutely. It's okay. You know, I'm, I'd be fine, especially after losing three games in a row and being winless in six and not playing well. And you know, if we can, if we get what, seven points over, the, or, over three games after that bad stretch. Great. You know, I just, there's something to me just doesn't think it's going to happen. I think we're, <laughs> I think we're going to get six points, but um, yeah, I think it's, I, yeah, four points. Absolutely. Okay. I think I'm, I, I think I'm going to take the four and I'm going to be happy about it. I agree that I think six is possible. And I think that if, if our goal is to be a team that is competing for the championship towards the end of the season, then six is what we need to be aiming for. But at this moment in time, for me to say, like, Kevin, you, you're very confident about saying, like, six points, let's do it. For me to be in that mindset feels like I'm just putting on the blinder. Me personally, I'm just putting on the blinders of being a Hounds fan and be like, of course, they're beneath us in the table. Of course we would win those games and completely discounting everything that's happened over the past seven games. And so realistically, yes, they absolutely have the talent and the ability to bring home six points at home this week, regardless of the fact that it's a game on Wednesday and Saturday, like totally. But I'm going to just, if I'm betting, I'm going to take the under on five and a half. And, uh, and, and I think to your point, feel okay about it. I think you hope for the four. If you get the six, great, fantastic. We've right the ship. And, and we've righted the ship and we and we move forward. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm satisfied with three points out of these two games. Like if we lose one of these two games, I don't feel like we're out of this rut. I feel like we're still kind of just spinning our wheels. Um, but if we it. get four points, I feel like we're we're digging ourselves out. And that, that's a good sign. Uh, if we get six, I'm I'm back on the never losing train. Sorry, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm usually of the opinion like. I'll change my outlook once you give me evidence to change my outlook. Mm-hmm. And so you saying six points is unusual for you for, for that kind of like standard mindset. But I think I'm just coming back to, I just, I, tr- I just don't believe this team is as bad as they showed us in the last seven games. Um, I keep saying seven cause I, I, I the last X games in New York, yeah. whatever. Um, so 
I think by the nature of that, you know, things will just kind of write themselves, but it's, it's not a given and they need to show up and they need to do it. Uh, so we'll see. And Wednesday is Hawaiian shirt day. So, you know, if you have a Hawaiian shirt and you want to wear it to Highmark stadium, then <laughs> that's a good, go ahead. That was a good almost verbatim. Go yeah, that was good. Go ahead and wear your Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the situations where we don't have a Friday game at home this year. So we had to decide if we were going to abandon Hawaiian shirt night or if we were just going to, you know, wedge it in somewhere. And so we decided a Wednesday game is a good game to do it. <laughs> I'd love to see statistics on how the team performs on Hawaiian shirt night. I bet shoes has that somewhere in a spreadsheet. Shoes, homework. Yes, yeah, right. Shoes. <laughs> Let us know. How does the team typically perform on Hawaiian shirt night? Um, so that's if there is think. a result there, I mean, that's like groundbreaking. Because like, let's right. say they play better than like... Hawaiian then shirt The first night. playoff game is Hawaiian shirt right. Exactly. <laughs> In the second playoff game, and the third playoff yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Kev, you mentioned that like, oh, that was almost verbatim. I'm, I, it's hard for me to get a sense of how many people know what that reference is from. Yeah, anymore. Josh, did you, did you pick up that reference? Of I did not. Oh, you didn't know, so Hawaiian, I, I always associate Hawaiian shirt day from office space. Well, no, no, no. I mean, uh, like, that's why we always make it a Friday, because Friday is Hawaiian shirt day. Like, gotcha. So, like, I didn't, but were you, like, quoting the movie? I didn't pay attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay, I did not. But, like, how many people, I wonder how many people actually associate Hawaiian shirt day with office space now? Because that movie, I mean, was that 90s? I told you before. Yeah, I told you before, like, you know. When I was still in school, I'd watch that movie and laugh and think it's amazing. And now I watch it and I kind of cry. Like, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's, it's, it's too close to home. Like, On it's still funny day, and I it's do, still great. <laughs> On but, any yeah. given day, I do 15 minutes of actual real work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. No, I, I got to go back and watch that again. Um, that's what we think. Let us know what you think. Uh, guys, do you got any big plans for July 4th? You going to go see fireworks anywhere? You going to blow up anything yourself? We have a friend who uh, they always do a party at their house and they live in the north side. And like from their alley behind their house, you can watch the fireworks, basically oh, nice. uh, the Pittsburgh fireworks. So go to their house, hang out. You know, there's usually a theme going on. I feel like there's like a cocktail signature cocktail they're going to have this time around. Um, I can't remember what it is now, uh, but, but yeah, so like just a good time with a bunch of people and then kind of watch fireworks just from the alley. <laughs> nice. Is this, is this our mutual acquaintance? I no, was gonna say no, no. lives okay, in the South side, not in the, well, not oh, South okay. side, uh, Lawrenceville, not in, uh, as, as you were like teeing this up, I was just picturing him like doing crazy here, things though. with fireworks, but yeah. yeah, he'll be there, but yeah. yeah. Doesn't surprise me. Kev, you doing anything? No, my quick story on this is, yeah, I have a thing um where i kind of very very much don't like loud sudden noises um it's a a thing and so like i don't like balloons i don't like i was gonna say i remember as a kid yeah balloons were a thing with you like we were just like nope no balloons keep them away from doesn't like because of their potential to pop and make a loud sudden noise um same thing with like yeah so eventually like i get acclimated to it and i don't mind it but mainly because of that yeah i don't really seek out uh fireworks and sometimes from our apartment complex They'll shoot them off by like a school nearby and we can see them in the distance. But uh, but no, we'll we'll eat some good food. I, don't, I can't remember specifically what's on the menu, but we got some some good stuff uh, to kind of 
grill up. I think we got some like good vegetables from the farmer's market and stuff. And so it'll be a, it'll be a nice, nice uh, evening. What about you, Mike? Cool. Uh, people have been shooting off fireworks all weekend here, which the dogs have absolutely loved. Um, and it's also helped to keep us awake uh, while we're trying to sleep because the dogs are so terrified of them. Um, they'll like push our door open, like just to get into the room, even the door's closed. So we're looking forward to that over the next few nights. But no, my, my in-laws are going to come over and uh, they actually haven't had pizza from the pizza oven yet. So we're going to make some pizza for lunch. They're going to come over at lunchtime because we don't really want them driving home at night because of all the people that will just randomly shoot off stuff on the side of the road. It gets a little crazy. Welcome to Westmoreland County. Um, but yeah, we're just going to try to hang out and keep it low key. And uh, yeah, we'll probably hear... We can definitely hear uh, Idlewild's fireworks. And if it wasn't for a row of trees, we'd be able to see them from our yard because we live so close. But uh, yeah, otherwise, just try to relax a little bit before getting back into the work week and back into the swing of things. So nice. All right. Well, gentlemen, thanks for this. Uh, I don't want to call it impromptu because we talked about it yesterday, but uh, for getting together off schedule to talk about the hounds. Um, yeah. Hopefully we have uh, two wins to talk about the next time we get together and uh, and we'll go from there. Our worst clear... attended live show ever. Wor- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true, which yeah. hurts a little bit, but you know, whatever. That's fine. Um, you know, I've always said that I, even if nobody listened to the show at all, I'd probably still do it because we just get together and hang out and BS and it's a good time. So long may that continue. Um Weekly reminder, everyone, that Black Lives Matter and that uh, we are proudly part of the Beautiful Game Network, which is more to hum- it, <laughs> which is home to more than 100 volunteer writers and podcasters covering local soccer. Help us all keep doing what we're doing. Head to BGN.FM and click on the donate button to help us cover expenses. And we appreciate your support. Man, two weeks away. And I'm, ah. Anyway, thanks, everybody. We'll talk very, very soon. Cheers. Later. <laughs>